What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FamilyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. I am your host, and I'm hanging out, talking, literally hanging out, and talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on? Good to see you in the flesh. I know, man. This is a Clee Talk first. We are in the same room. Bob, it's been Live. like 160 episodes or so dating all the way back to when we were what are you talking about and this is the first time we are recording in the same room live in the flesh i can throw things at you when you say <laughs> stupid things it's gonna be awesome it could be the last time too depending on on how this goes <laughs> yeah very very true but um i'm excited it'll be a different definitely a different feel and it, this is certainly a an important podcast episode that that we're getting into because uh chris we're just two days removed from from watching game four of the nba finals together our streak continues they <laughs> lost every finals game we've watched together yes that is true <laughs> um in the five NBA finals that LeBron has been in. We have not witnessed a win together, but um, to be expected though, or uh, not surprising in this game four loss, um, considering the the heartbreak of game one and, and then the disappointment of game three. So yeah, we're, we're talking all calves and, and, and wrapping up their 2017, 2018 season and looking into this very important uh NBA free agency, but but Chris, first off, I mean, uh, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers getting swept by the Warriors, not winning a single game. Uh, what's your initial reaction to, to the Cavs' performance? It's depressing. I mean, anytime you get swept in the NBA Finals, it's depressing um, because the logic is if you're good enough to get to the NBA Finals, you, sh- you should at least put up a fight. You know, you should at least be able to win a game and, and this has happened to the Cavs twice now back in 2007 they were a very young team against a very experienced team you know that that one was easy to stomach because there, there was just no chance they were going to beat the Spurs you still wanted them to win a game just to show that they could do it uh, but but this this time it, it's it's a totally different feel because it's not just that they got swept I mean they they legitimately could have been up two one in this series, uh, given the way games one and three played out, and 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 obviously if they were up two one, game four would have been completely different. Obviously if they go up one zero, the other games would have been, it would have changed the whole series. But just given the fact that they were competitive in two games and almost won two games, they could have had a two one lead, and then that game four wouldn't have been just a rollover situation because Bob, they looked dead in game four. They just looked yeah. like they were defeated. They looked like they just knew the inevitable was going to happen, and they just didn't have it in them to to climb the mountain that was four straight wins. Uh, you know, back in 2016 when you're down three one, they 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 had some punch in them, and, and this one they they just embraced the inevitability and lost and. Uh, that that was also a little disheartening, but game three was the one that we both knew was the backbreaker. Once they lost game three, it was over basically, and it was depressing because they they had a legitimate shot to win that one. Yeah, game four was definitely a, a formality at that point. Um, they they could have won it, uh, won a game like they did last year. Um, you know, blowing out the Warriors in game four and and just forcing the series to be over in five instead of four um but th- this team d- doesn't well there are two differences from this team and last year's team the, the first is obvious there's not that second ball dominant star in-, in Kyrie Irving there's a big Kyrie Irving hole on this roster um that finally became 100% apparent uh, in-, in this finals you know they, they were lacking that that extra star that they've had in the past three series uh, against the Warriors. And then this, this Cavs team just, you know, it's been a grueling postseason and, and uh, the, the long-term resiliency of them to, to get through those two seven game series against the Pacers and Celtics is impressive for sure. Uh, but there's a lot of in, in between those big moments, there's a lot of lack of, uh, you know, punching back, fighting back, clawing back. You felt like any time they got into a, a 
a 10 point deficit you know the, the game was virtually over um so, so it, it's not surprising to me that they just folded in after going down 3-0 and not even you know forcing that game five like they did last year so th- that was very disappointing to me um you know i, I think that it, it's hard to it's hard to to place blame on lebron um on this team but I do think this was of the four NBA finals, probably is the most disappointing series uh, game one's 51 point uh, explosion aside, uh, you know, game four ended with 23 points, seven rebounds and eight assists, which granted is an impressive night for anybody, but on in a closeout game at home, trying to not get swept. I, I expected more out of LeBron I thought he was very passive uh, that entire game. And it was just, uh, a disappointing way to end uh, a disappointing finals. And, and, and you, you said it best. I mean, look, LeBron's stat line on his worst night is going to look like a great stat line for anyone else. You know, you have to judge this on sort of a LeBron adjusted scale. Um, but there are different levels of 23 points. You know, there are 23 points where you just kind of get it because you're the guy. And then there are 23 points where, okay, LeBron only scored 23, but he made an impact. You know, he had, you could feel him, I say this all the time, have his fingerprints all over the game. I don't think his fingerprints were anywhere near game four. I mean, he got his points because somebody had to get the points. But at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, he was very passive. When the Warriors made their run, when they started putting him away, you could just tell the fight was sucked out of the Cavs. And it largely stemmed from the fact that LeBron just kind of gave in to the inevitability of losing this series. And in knowing that, you know, the odds are, even if you get game four, you're probably going to lose game five or game six or whatever. Um, it, it's a tough hill to climb if, if you're just, if you're not in there. And based on the way he played game four, it just didn't look like he had the will to climb that mountain. And and I can't say I necessarily blame him just given all that he had to do to get there. But it's still kind of disappointing that, that the Cavs couldn't muster up and get one win in this NBA Finals, even down 3-0. Um, you know, send it back to Golden State. Let them win on their own floor. I know it's another flight. I know it's more. But, but give yourselves a shot because maybe Draymond does something crazy in Game 5 and gets his seventh tech or whatever. And, and maybe that, you know, is another catalyst that you steal another game. You, you, a lot can happen if you just make them win another game. I'm not saying the Cavs would have won the NBA title. I think that's a ridiculous statement to make. I don't think they would have won all four games. But at the end of the day, make them play them and see what happens. Maybe, maybe you get some good fortune going your way. And, and it's, it's disappointing that the Cavs just kind of folded it in for game four. Um, but, man, that game three was a backbreaker. And with one minute left, Kevin Durant hitting that three-point shot, you just knew that was the series right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, before, before I go into game three, uh, the, LeBron's 13 field goal attempts in, in game four were seven less than any other uh, game in the finals. I think game two he had 20 field goal attempts so you know that that just shows that he um I, I agree you can't really blame him and it's you know certainly depressing to be in a 3-0 deficit two years in a row against what looks like a unbeatable foe but um, I expected more out of him at home to at least avoid that sweep um game three though yeah for sure uh Kevin Durant went off uh was I mean, I saw three or four times where six, ten, six, eight forwards on the Cavs were in his all up in him with their arms extended, and he drains easy jump shots and shoots right over them. Uh, I know Kevin Love had him a couple times. Jeff Green, Larry Nance Jr. Uh, all trying the same thing and you know he's just too tall too long and, and too good a shooter and there's nothing you can do when he's having a night like that it's frustrating when uh you know Steph Curry can set a record for threes in game two Kevin Durant doesn't have to do much Steph Curry, Steph Curry then I think 
has one field goal in game three. And I think he was one for 11 in game three. Yeah, and that, but Kevin Durant drops 43 points on you. I mean, uh, that, again, that just illuminates the, you probably get one chance against these Warriors, and that, that one chance was game one. Uh, and after that, uh, you know, you just had to assume the inevitable is going to happen that between Curry, Thompson, and, and Durant, they're going to bury you with their shooting. Um, and it, it certainly was Durant doing it two years in a row in game three at home for Cleveland. And, and that was uh, burying those threes late in the game. That that was, I mean, that that was the nail in the coffin. Well, it locked up NBA Finals MVP for Kevin Durant for the second year in a row. Um, yeah, but I mean, when they lost game one, I'm like, this is the game that probably will cost them the championship. Because if they had won game one, they'd have a legitimate shot at winning that series. When they lost game three, I'm like, there's there's a shot to make the series competitive you know I, I I still thought even if they won game three obviously they'd still be in the series but at the end of the day that golden opportunity no pun intended to steal a game and change the complexion of the NBA finals right off the bat um what would have would have would have made them uh, given them a realistic shot at winning the championship not just to make a series competitive not just to avoid the sweep so and I think the Cavs knew it too no, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that the Cavs, that weighed on them. Because when you're facing a foe like Golden State that's just a hammer that you can't make any mistakes against, uh, when, you have a, when you have a shot to knock them out and you miss, uh, it, 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 it affects them much more. Um, because the Cavs know that those opportunities are not going to come very often. They had one right off the bat, and they didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. Game one, again, um, you know, the, the way that to have that to have your shot to have your chance and then the blow it like that against the team on the road um I mean you, you've still felt the the regret and frustration of that through throughout all three of the the, the final games um and and LeBron felt that frustration as well because apparently he punched a blackboard after game one and it was a whiteboard oh okay a whiteboard sorry <laughs> Uh, punched a a board used for writing on <laughs> so hard that he fractured his hand, his yeah. right hand. He said he said it was broken. I think more of a frag. I, I don't think you could possibly play three games on a broken hand. Whatever it was, there were pictures of it online. It's it was significantly more swollen than his uh, left hand. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> LeBron still had a great series after that, but not only do they lose game one, but their star player hurts his shooting hand. And I hope it is just a fracture because Kevin Love has broken his hand multiple times and has missed weeks, <laughs> months. So I, I hope that it's it was just a fracture because otherwise I'm wondering what Kevin Love's doing for two months every season. Um, but yeah, I mean, so not only do you have the, the mental uh, loss of game one, but your star player ends up hurting himself. I mean, do you, do you think that had a had an impact on LeBron's game throughout the rest of the series? Well, it probably did. I mean, you know, anytime you're playing with a fracture, it certainly did. I mean, it didn't seem like it, though. That's the thing. I mean, when he, when he was playing in games two and three, you know, you didn't feel there was anything wrong with him. He, he seemed like his normal self out there. Uh, he, he did have an impact in those games. Game four, I just think the weight of everything... You know, the whole team kind of, once the Golden State made their run, they just gave in to the inevitability. Uh, so I don't I don't want to put all of that on LeBron because it wasn't just him. Um, but but I don't think the hand, I mean, clearly the hand didn't. I mean, we saw him play, and, and we were just as surprised as anyone when he came out with that revelation. For sure. It's not like the elbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously he still was able to play at a level where People thought he, if if the Cavs made it a series, he still and lost. He he may have won that MVP again. So it, it didn't seem to affect him a whole lot. I, one thing that did change throughout the course of the series was his jump shot went away. He took one three point attempt in Game Four. He missed it. I think he was one for six in Game Three, um, and I think he was he shot about five, about fifty percent from three uh, in the first two games. So. Maybe it altered that, and that 
level facet of his game slowly went away due to that hand swelling up even more and, and being in pain. But with the cameras on LeBron for 48 minutes in every game, there's never an image of him grimacing, holding that hand, you know, getting work on it. So it didn't seem to be that, that bad. And he was still able to have a, by, by relative standards, a, a great NBA final. So, um, I think it did have an impact and, and yeah, it probably, you know, you, you can't have LeBron with a fractured hand and expect to, to beat these warriors. So that probably did them in as well. But, um, I think there are much greater factors at play than, than LeBron's hand uh, for, for the Cavs getting swept. I want to ask you a quick question just to deviate just a little bit. Um, you know, in sports, oftentimes, you know, you get to the finals, you lose, people view it as a disappointment. Um, even though you, you're, you're the second best team in the NBA, technically speaking, do you view this as a success or a disappointment, a trip to the NBA finals? Cause, cause this year, it feels more like a disappointment to me, even though I know it's an impressive accomplishment to get there. But but it just it just feels like a downer. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like a downer. I don't think losing the finals is is the disappointment for me because uh, it was to be expected. Really, uh, the Cavs had less star power this year than they did last year going up against these same warriors that are looking like one of the greatest built teams in NBA history. It was to be expected that they're probably going to lose this series even when, even back in October. Um, I I thought they would have a shot. I I didn't think they would get swept. The sweep is, is disappointing for sure. But I I always knew that the warriors were were probably going to win this NBA finals. Um, what makes it disappointing is just all the other noise around this Cavs team, all the drama that has happened this season, uh, you know, starting with Kyrie going into Isaiah Thomas, going into those big trades, heading into the postseason. Um, you know, Kevin Love's dealt with some stuff. Ty Lue's dealt with some stuff, all of that hanging with, with the cloud of LeBron James's free agency hanging over your head um, to get swept in the NBA finals and to think that that might be the last time that LeBron plays in a Cavs uniform. That is the disappointment. Um, if they had performed a little bit better, they may have been able to present themselves in a better light come free agency decision time. Um, so, so that's what's disappointing for me. I'm not disappointed that the Cavs lost the NBA finals is to be expected. I think it would have been a catastrophe if they lost that game seven against the Celtics, that would have been a huge disappointment um, in terms of results on the court. Um, so, so no, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. Um, it does feel like something is coming to an end though. Um, and, and that all has to do with just the drama from the season and, and LeBron's uh, pending decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would tend to agree with you, Bob, because these NBA finals trips, while, while we've been spoiled by them here in Cleveland the last four years, I mean, we, when you look big picture, the Cavs have only been to the finals five times and all of them because of a guy named LeBron James. So at the end of the day, uh, getting to the NBA finals, I don't think should be looked at as a disappointment or a letdown. And, and it's not, again, you're playing the Golden State Warriors. This, this team is one win away from having four straight championships and that year they won 73 games. I mean, even though they didn't win the title, they won 73 games. And, and arguably, we're the better team in 2016. I mean, you know, Cavs won the title. They're the best team. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, you know, that was a historic season for them. And then they go out and add Kevin Durant and become basically unbeatable for the next two seasons. And, and, and doesn't look like they're going away anytime soon. So, to lose to that team is not a disappointment. But I agree with you, Bob. Just the way this season's gone about how... The future outlook for the Cavs has changed drastically in the last 12 months from a potential LeBron to Kyrie slash Kevin Love handoff to have two young superstars going forward when the LeBron era ends uh, to, to, to not having that anymore and, and going back into uh, some immense uncertainty um, is definitely, um, it, it's a downer and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's very concerning. Yeah, so I mean, just just as we're coming to the end of the this 
talk of the the season as a whole i mean was this a su- successful season for the Cavs, or or d- did it end in, in in failure for you for me i would say it would have to be a successful season because nobody expected them to win the nba championship they i, I know the Cavs came in with championship aspirations and they were a contender but I don't think anybody realistically expected this Cavs team, even pre, even even you know with Isaiah and, and Crowder and uh, and assuming that all goes well, I don't even think we picked them to win. Now maybe I did because I, I generally sometimes do stuff like that. But realistically, I, I I don't think anyone said yes. The Cavs are definitely going to win, even if in the preseason podcast I maybe did a bit of a homer pick. It was definitely not a, yeah, they're definitely going to beat the Warriors pick. 100%. It was more of a hope, hopeful pick. So I don't think very many people um, expected them to win the NBA championship. So to do basically what they ex- were expected to do, I don't think that's a disappointment. They won the East. They, they beat some good teams in the East. Let's not forget Toronto the Cavs made them look foolish, but that's a good team, and those Celtics aren't going anywhere. They have a bright future, and they're very well coached, and they got a lot of young talent. So the East is getting tougher, and for this Cavs team to have so much turmoil and you know fluctuation to come out of the East is still pretty impressive. And uh, I wouldn't say it's a disappointment on the court, but I think what you were saying earlier is absolutely true. Going into this offseason, you start to lament you know, what could have been having those, you know, that young superstar in your pocket and Kyrie Irving with a Kevin Love combination, just in case LeBron decides to bolt, that option's no longer there anymore. And that's where sort of the disappointment sets in for me. Yeah, I think the results of the season are, are a success. And especially uh, f- for LeBron, you know, this this is another testament to his greatness, the, the way he was able to to guide this team from uh, end of 2017 offseason turmoil all the way to getting swept in, in the 2018 NBA Finals. I think it is very impressive, one of the most impressive things he's done in his career. So so that is a success. Um, I, I believe I, I, I'm almost positive I picked the Warriors to, to win the NBA Finals and I know you did. I don't know if I, I. I I think I may have done a Cavs pick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know about you, but um, but I said you know the Cavs' goal should be getting to the NBA Finals and hoping that something has gone wrong with the Warriors, be it an injury or they're they're playing off or, or something has happened. The Nutcracker strikes again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I think it would take more than Draymond missing a game. <laughs> in that case but yes yeah exactly um just hope that they're not playing at a at 80 percent of of how good they can be and and then you would have a shot and i think that's that that was every team's approach this season even the rockets they needed igadala to go down for them to start to exert uh their dominance over them so all all those boxes were checked they accomplished the goal unfortunately uh the Warriors were 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 way above eighty percent. Um, they had Durant, they had Curry, they had Thompson. They're able to to take care of the Cavs easily. Um, but yeah, it in terms of a, a long term view, that I, I do have to say that this season, this these past twelve months uh, have been a failure for the Cavs. I, I think from David Griffin uh, not getting extended to some of the rumored trades that didn't go down on draft day to the Kyrie Irving deal, not, not working out at least in terms of players that they got back. They still have that eighth pick, which we'll talk about in a second, but you know, that didn't work out the, the blow up trade mid season. They got back some interesting pieces, but uh, at one point or another in the postseason, all four of those guys disappeared. Now, George Hill uh, kind of, was the most steadying hand, and I think he played well. Um, Rodney Hood redeemed himself late in, in the NBA Finals, but he was a DNP for for a good half of, the, of these this postseason. Jordan Clarkson was disappointing. Larry Nance Jr. I like, and 
he did what you expected him to do, but he didn't move the needle. So um, it all leads up to a very murky 2018 off season. I think that, um, you know, this, these 12 months were a chance for the Cavs to make a strong case for LeBron to not only opt in, but to sign a long-term deal, like the final long-term deal of his career. And I think that they, uh, they, they pretty much failed that (laughs) making that case. To be fair, um, it's not surprising that George Hill was the most consistent in the postseason given what he's been through. I sure. mean, he's played in NBA Finals. He's gone deep with Indiana. Um, to see the other three guys be as inconsistent as they were isn't as surprising, just given um, where they were at their development. Now, Rodney Hood, I think, has been the most disappointing because he was on Utah last year, and he is a very good player as he showed in the NBA finals. And, and when, when we, he, when the Cavs traded for him, you and I both thought that Rodney hood was going to be that third scoring punch. He's a very diverse scorer who can get his own shot. That's, that's like a guy, that's a guy the Cavs desperately needed to play off of Kevin Love and LeBron James. And I thought he'd really thrive here more than he did. That said, I, I do think that where those three guys are at their development, I saw enough of them from them in the postseason. I mean, obviously not consistently, but there were flashes there of, okay, maybe this experience will help mold them into very serviceable, if not strong players going forward. So I do have an optimistic outlook on, on Clarkson, Nance, and Hood, even though in this postseason they were all very shaky at times. Yeah, in, individually, uh, their future with the Cavs, I, I feel good about. I, I've seen that they have ability, but in terms of winning in the short term and making the case for, hey, LeBron, we have Jordan Clarkson on the team, you should stay. <laughs> I think that uh, that kind of failed. Um, so, and I, I think the Cavs are uh, just among one of many options that LeBron may have. So looking into the 2018 off season, um, let's, before we get to the big kahuna, let, let, let's go with the, the more immediate, yeah, into, into the uh, immediate future. Uh, NBA draft is, is about two weeks away. Cleveland Cavaliers have that number eighth overall pick courtesy of Celtics, courtesy of Brooklyn. Um, just, Chris, are, are you drafting a player in that slot or are you looking to make a trade? What I'm not doing is drafting a player LeBron James tweets about. Um, Miami Heat learned that lesson <laughs> as Nate Pierce. So, uh, Colby Altman, do not look at LeBron James's Twitter. Do not do any of that. Draft the best player available if you pick a player. Um, right now, not knowing what trades are out there. I would have to say the Cavs are going to take a player. They're going to take the best player available and try to inject a young guy that can develop into a star into this roster. I think that's the most likely outcome. Now, I say that with the backdrop of, yeah, there's Kawhi Leonard rumors almost every other week. If any of them are true and he's on the market, you got to give them a call. And if you can pick up a move-the-needle season superstar with that number eight pick like the Timberwolves did with the number nine pick last year in Jimmy Butler, and obviously you make that trade. But I'm not settling for anything less than that because of what the Timberwolves got with the number nine pick last year. Um, I'm using that as a strong baseline for the market on that number eight pick, and I think the Cavs legitimately could leverage it into a season superstar depending on what the market is. I mean, it takes two to make that kind of a trade. Someone's got to want to give up a move-the-needle type player in order for the Cavs to make that trade. So I think the most likely outcome is they select a player with that pick, someone who looked explosive in college. There are a number of guys out there. We'll, we'll talk more about that in our draft preview podcast. But I, I think the most likely outcome is they will select a player. Yeah, I do too um, for, for a couple of reasons. Well, you said hope LeBron doesn't tweet about somebody. I believe he has talked about Trey Young, right? I don't know. I haven't. Okay. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think I think he has made comments about Trey Young, and Trey Young uh, projects to be somewhere around that late uh, top ten. So he, he he might be available for the Cavs. That'll be interesting to see. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think we're drafting a player for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Kawhi Leonard is really the only superstar that I, I hear about being on the trade market right now. And I think it's very, um, I think the most likely outcome for the Spurs is that he comes back to the Spurs. Um, you know, they did the same thing with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge last season, and he came back and had one of the best seasons of his career. So um, the, Sp- the Spurs are just too good an organization to know that uh, to, to let Kawhi Leonard go without giving a shot of, of making amends. So I, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, other than him, um, I don't, I don't know who else is available now that that's not to say guys aren't available. I mean, Chris Paul really shocked me last season. I, I didn't really hear anything about him, but we knew Paul George was available. We knew Jimmy Butler, what was unhappy. So, um, and, 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 they were looking to trade those guys. Um, so, so I don't think that there are as many options as there were last season or in other seasons. So yeah, I think they are going to take a guy. Um, that's not to say that they can ship him out later. We saw, uh, the Cavs do that with Andrew Wiggins when trading for love. Um, so that, that doesn't eliminate the, the fact that they might trade for a star later in the season, but I don't think there are going to be any draft day deals, uh, involving the Cavs in that number eight pick. Yeah, at least none none that are obvious. And Bob, you alluded to it last offseason. I mean, we knew that Jimmy Butler and Paul George were definitely being shopped. Uh, now it's going to be more cloak and dagger. I mean, things are going to kind of come out of left field. I mean, you know, I, I'm just pulling this out of the hat. Like, But like Damian Lillard, if he were to get traded, that would stun me. Because it doesn't yep. seem like Portland wants to trade him. And last year seemed like the year to do it and, and just go full rebuild. But, I mean, you know, anything could can happen we we don't it, there are no obvious superstars on the market other than all the smoke around Kawhi Leonard and as we all know here in Cleveland there's been smoke around Kevin Love for four years and it's never materialized in the fire so I mean I don't know how much stock to put into some of these is Kawhi Leonard unhappy or not rumors there's enough reporting out there that makes me think something's going on but like you said the Spurs are a top-notched well-run organization I would think it odd of them to think that they'd be better off without Kawhi Leonard than with him so I think odds are Kawhi Leonard is going to stay in San Antonio and the Cavs are going to have to just identify a great young player and try to bring him into this organization yep agreed on that um in terms of pending free agents for the Cavs uh not talking about opt-ins yet uh but the big one for me is Rodney Hood's restricted free agency uh, are you matching any deal that Rodney Hood signs in the open market, uh, or do you, do you think uh, there is a, a limit to, to what you would match? There's always a limit, but I don't think any team is going to offer him crazy money that that the Cavs would be, you know, nervous about matching. So I don't think Rodney Hood's going to get some ridiculous contract. I, I think he will be back with the Cavs, and I think the Cavs would be kind of foolish just to let him go because he's going to get, I think, a reasonable offer. And even even if he doesn't, I mean, I think I, I would have some latitude with Rodney Hood because I think that he has the potential to develop into a very solid wing option. He's, he, he's probably not going to be a superstar, and he's probably not going to be your number two. But you want a guy like Rodney Hood in your rotation because he can take some pressure off your superstars and, and really help out in a variety of ways. So, so I do think the Cavs are in a position where they kind of have to keep Rodney Hood, and I don't think overall the price is going to be that expensive. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, Rodney Hood is one of those guys that, with or without LeBron James, he should be on this roster. He can contribute in both ways. I, I'll be very intrigued to see what, uh, a good coach and I think Ty Lue could be that coach um what he could do with Rodney Hood without the the gravity dominating LeBron James uh, on the roster I think he could do a number of things he's a ball handler he could uh shoot the three he can drive um he'd be very versatile and um you know with LeBron he would also contribute can contribute uh very well in, in terms of scoring and, and catch and shooting so um I think the Cavs would be very foolish to not to match just about any offer on the market. I think Ronnie Hood's going to get a good contract offer, and he, I think he redeemed that outlook with the way he played in the last two games in the NBA Finals. 
Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a max deal, but it, it, it's going to be a, a sizable offer. And the Cavs, with their cap restrictions, even uh, without uh, the $36 million opt-in for, for LeBron, um, aren't going to get a guy of Hood's caliber on the market should they let him walk. Yeah, no, certainly not, and especially not just his caliber, but but his age, too. I mean, he's, he's a good young player who, with Utah, was averaging close to 18 points a game. I mean, this is a guy who can score in a variety of ways, as we said before. Um, yeah, I think with or without LeBron, Rodney Hood has to be part of this team's future. Um, despite his inconsistencies in the playoffs, he showed, as you said, in that game three and four, what he can do, and I, and I think he has a bright future in this league. The Cavs have to keep him around. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about Ty Lue? Are you, are you bringing him back? Are you happy with the way he's been coaching? I think Ty Lue is a good coach. I think Ty Lue gets, gets too much of the blame and not enough credit, just like any coach who has had the pleasure of coaching LeBron James in their career. He, he will get you great success, but, but as a coach, you got to prepare to be under the pressure cooker. My example my, is uh, Eric Spolstra. For four years, it was Coach Spo no more. Almost every other year, that chant was coming out. Um, until they won a championship, it kind of died down. He was not fired when LeBron James left. They kept him around, and he is, you know, now he's routinely mentioned in Coach of the Year voting and, and things like that. And when when you, when the gravity of LeBron James is removed, a lot of the pressures that come with coaching are, are you know, subsidized a little bit or subside a little bit. And I think Ty Lue is a really good coach. Is he a super elite coach? Probably not. I think he does make some mistakes, but I don't think his blunders are are blow up into the world blunders. I think they become that way because of the gravity of coaching LeBron James and the spotlight that comes with that. So I do think Ty Lue will be part of this team's future with or without LeBron James. I think if LeBron stays, Ty Lue is definitely staying because they're going to keep continuity. I think even if LeBron leaves, Ty Lue is probably still going to be the coach of this team. I agree with that too. I, I think Lou's, I would be intrigued to see what he can do. Uh, yeah. W- without, w- without LeBron, obviously I, I want LeBron on this team because that means instant success, but um, I, I would be willing to give him the first shot because we saw in the postseason and throughout this season, just in general, um, all the, the different players he had to juggle uh, his willingness to, to just bench a guy and, and insert somebody else in the, in this postseason and basically fields three different teams throughout the postseason um you know he, he played a different team against the Pacers a different team against the Raptors and a different team against the Celtics and you know he won all three of those and and he did that with without uh you know the big the typical big three of Irving Love and LeBron um so I, I think that's impressive um I, I I would be interested to see what he could do um without LeBron but yeah if, if LeBron opts in uh then I think Tyloo stays because that's probably part of part of the deal and part of the expectation. Yeah, and what you just said there, Bob. I mean, that that shows me that Tyloo is not a coach who's you know fixated on a system. You know, it's it doesn't have to be the triangle or whatever. He is going to do whatever the matchup calls for. I mean, Indiana, like you said, Indiana, Toronto, Boston. Those are three very different game plans, very different teams, very different lineups, and it shows that's the kind of coach that I want. I want a coach who is not going to just be stubborn and try to do one thing even when he doesn't have the personnel. I want a coach who recognizes, okay, I maybe approached this wrong in game one. Adjust, boom, let's win. doesn't matter what the situation is. He is going to coach to his player's strength and to the matchup as opposed to trying to just you know put a round peg in a square hole. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, now let's get to... Uh the big question, uh, the franchise-altering question, LeBron James has the opt-out clause in his contract uh, or has the player option right now in his contract for a $36 million uh, year in 2018-2019. In he can opt in. He can opt out of that deal. He can uh, request to opt in and request a trade and invite kind of a sign-in trade and, and retain some bird rights. So, Chris, what is the most likely outcome with LeBron James's offseason uh and then uh well yeah we'll start with that and then we'll get into some some crazier outcomes the most likely outcome that is that is one of the toughest questions uh out there right now 
I've been in the camp that LeBron James is going to stay for a while now um, for a couple of reasons. One, the, the main one, there, there are two main reasons. One, his family's in Akron, and I do believe he loves Northeast Ohio and wants to be here. I believe that his heart in an ideal world, he plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers because he's from here, and I think he enjoys seeing um, the love and the support of this city when it's at its finest. Um, so, so I do think that that works in Cleveland's favor. More importantly, I think he and Chris Paul, as two of the top members of the um, union bargaining team, Chris Paul being the president and LeBron James being one of the top VPs, they 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 manipulated the rules. You know, they changed the uh, over 36 rule to the over 38 rule so they could sign a big contract at their point this point in their career and get paid until they were 38 years old. You know, they, they didn't just do that to not take advantage of this rule I fully believe that LeBron James at some point is going to sign the biggest contract in NBA history uh, at the point of which of course he signs it so I think that that has been a goal of his for a while now for the last four years he's been making moves off the court to ensure that this can happen and this is sort of the the year where that all comes to fruition now as you said Bob he can opt in and maybe force a trade um, but but I fully intend LeBron to sign a long-term deal somewhere because I believe that he wants to get paid in the years of his decline. And as great as he's been, he's going to decline at some point for him to get this sort of one last huge cash security. Um, I would think the time is now because when you get into the, the age that LeBron is getting, sooner or later the game is going to start to fade a little bit. And, and his chance to sign that super max, it's definitely coming towards the end of that era rather than the beginning. So, so he, he will need to make a move soon if he wants to take advantage of that. And I think he will sign a very big deal um, either with the Cleveland Cavaliers or sign it and force a trade. So to, for me, the most I, I believe he's going to sign a big contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, 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 I'm still in that camp. Even though the season didn't go great, even though there's still a lot of work to do to contend with Golden State, I think he will stay with Cleveland, and I think he will sign that big contract. Yeah, this is tough, um, and I agree with most of what you're saying. Um, you know, if we take a look at the landscape of the league right now, I think it's foolish for him. I think it would be foolish to go out west to to go to a Western Conference team. Um, Houston is intriguing, uh, but the the path to get there would, would virtually gut that roster, and, and you'd be playing with Paul and Harden. Is that are those three guys just them and a bunch of role players enough to beat the Warriors? I, I don't know. Uh, it, it'd be close, maybe. Um, and you, you throw in Chris Paul's injury concerns. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's if that's worth the risk of not making another NBA finals. I still think the Eastern conference is easier to navigate for him to get to another NBA finals and at least get a chance to win that NBA finals. I, I don't think he could go to a team in the Western conference, not, not golden state and not Houston uh, and expect to, to make it past them. Um, so th- that eliminates 15 teams right there. Uh, and, and staying out East, uh, I agree with you. I mean, this now is the time for him to opt in, not opt in, but to sign that that ma- one final massive contract. Uh, he said he's done taking cuts. He's not going to take a pay cut. Um, that would be frustrating for him to walk back on that now, <laughs> um, after four years of you know holding the Cavs hostage to to not only pay him max money, but pay all pay some of his friends max money, not max money, but pay some of his friends. More than more. they are worth. Yes, much more than they are <laughs> worth. Um, and he might be regretting uh, forcing him to re-sign J.R. Smith at this time in his life. Um, no, but that deal was probably worth it at the time. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so he said he's done taking money. And, uh, you know, he he said that he's done moving from Cleveland. That when he came back, that this was it, that he wasn't leaving again. 
I, I want to hold him. I want to hold him to that. So I do think the most likely outcome is he signs a huge, massive deal to the Cavs, and the Cavs will graciously, willingly pay that, even though the returns on that when LeBron is 38 years old will probably be terrible. Um, it, it'll be worth it in the short term, and I mean it'll save face for a franchise. So I, I do think that's the most likely outcome. If if I were to put odds on it, I think it's like 60 percent chance that that happens so that there i do think there are likely scenarios for him to walk um and, and chris what what is the most likely alternative to him signing with cleveland for you i don't even know where to begin honestly i, I think the most likely alternative is houston and and i know you just eliminated the west because of the warriors but i also think that houston even if they have to gut the roster, playing with Harden and Paul does give him the best chance to beat the Warriors, even though it wouldn't occur in the NBA Finals. Because I think if he goes to Houston with Harden and Paul, those three guys could really convince Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade potentially to sign on discounted deals, which would give them an interesting roster. I know Dwayne Wade in particular is past his prime, but he's still got some punch left. And Carmelo Anthony, while he looked lost in Oklahoma City, has shown that when he played with Chris Paul and LeBron James on Team USA, that he's willing to take a back seat to those guys and do what is needed, um, and particularly in the 2008 team. So those guys really enjoy playing together. And I think that, that that outcome would be the one that makes the most sense for him to leave. The other one that would be intriguing is if he teams up with Paul George in LA but again that's not enough to beat the Warriors I'm sorry LA has a has some good young talent but I don't think Paul George and LeBron James by themselves would be enough to beat the Warriors so I I actually think that if LeBron's not in Cleveland he will be on the Houston Rockets playing with Chris Paul a guy he has said he's wanted to play with for a long time and I think that the two of them together could potentially convince either Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade, or both, to sign there at lesser levels, given where they are in this career. That, for me, are the two options. I think it's more likely he stays in Cleveland, but I could see him going to Houston to play with Chris Paul. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if if he's going to leave Cleveland, um, and maybe maybe he finds a way to, to still ink that huge deal with his bird rights via sign and trade but he's going to leave cleveland he's going to go to the place that gives him the best chance to win um and i think there are a couple options for that one uh a lot of people talk about uh is the philadelphia 76ers um i I just think that the personnel fit isn't isn't the best for him but it is in the east so that's intriguing um but i think Embiid and simmons just don't have enough shooting and spacing for for lebron to thrive and do what he wants to do uh boston is an interesting option that that we can talk about in a second uh but houston uh is the most logical obvious place for him to go and and the the thing that is blocking it the most is just how do you get that contract onto that team um who do you have to give up what assets do you have to give up is cleveland even willing to 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 work with that deal uh to, to save LeBron's bird rights. So they, it would take a lot of negotiating and dealing in the off season, but to get him, getting him on that team, I agree with you. That is probably his best chance in the West getting to an NBA finals and getting over the Warriors. We saw what Paul and Harden almost did to the Warriors, you know, taking that series to game seven. I think if LeBron's on that team that they would have beaten them in that moment. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do think the, the Rockets are not a ridiculous option. I think it's very feasible that he goes there. I agree with you. The Lakers are too young, too raw. Paul George, LeBron James, and then Lonzo Ball is not going to get it done. Kyle, <laughs> don't, don't tell LeVar that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they would have to they, – they have money to sign both those guys outright, so they could do that and then swing it trade for somebody else but even then i don't i don't know i just don't see it working out and happening uh the the lakers uh having a chance against the warriors so yes i i I do think houston is is a a number two scenario um for sure 
um, there are some outlandish scenarios. And the one that you were chuckling at is uh, LeBron to Boston has picked up some steam in just about the, the last week. Um, what, what, what do you think about that? Crazier things have happened. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, like, let's just look at this from a pure asset standpoint. The Celtics have the assets to get LeBron James. They're one of the few teams who could trade LeBron James's value, which is intriguing to Cleveland. If the Cavs are willing to do that deal, which, hey man, if the if the Celtics put Jason Tatum on the table, I, I'd do the deal. Most definitely do the deal. That kid has a bright future. I mean, if you if you put Jason Tatum, a future draft pick, and a con and then just make the money work out, done. Because that 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 ignites your rebuild. You'd have Jason Tatum, the number eight pick, and potentially I would lobby obviously for the unprotected Sacramento kit pick next year, which um should be really good. Um, that 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 right there could jumpstart your rebuild. You know that 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 is probably the best case scenario for the Cavs to come away with all three of those with with those two prime assets. Um, and and likely Al Horford because they'd have to move Al Horford's contract. Um, that's great. But then there's the weirdness of LeBron to Boston. Forget Kyrie Irving. LeBron James in a Boston uniform would be weird. Boston has been his nemesis. I mean, if, they, if there's one team that has been his consistent nemesis, obviously the Warriors have been the last four years, it's Boston. I mean, that's been LeBron's biggest rival going all the way back to 2008. 2008. 2010, 2012, those guys warred with one another in the playoffs. The Kevin Love thing where they pulled his arm out, the last two Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, this is a team that has been LeBron's biggest rival. It would just be weird to see him in the uniform, period. And then even if Kyrie Irving isn't on the team very long, to to have them back on the same team, even just for a couple weeks before they trade Irving for something else, maybe a sign-in trade for Paul George or something like that, I don't know. Um, That would just be another weird situation so 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 aside from just the the chemistry and the weirdness of it if boston comes knocking they've got the treasure trove of assets that could help jumpstart a rebuild so cleveland would be foolish not to listen yeah i i agree with you the weirdness of it is what's blocking me i mean the the fierce rivalry between lebron and paul paul pierce uh throughout the years uh in both a Cavs uniform and a heat uniform it would be a lot to it would take a lot to to for that to be normal to see LeBron in that Celtics uniform um yeah and then just for a year later LeBron and Kyrie are on on the same team again uh, I would I would imagine you'd have to immediately trade Kyrie away um and there's growing concerns that Kyrie is is dead set on going to the Knicks uh, in his unrestricted free agency so that might be a deal that uh the, the Celtics are are totally okay with doing and pulling. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the assets are there. Um, I, what about this? What if, what if the Celtics offer you that Sacramento pick uh, unprotected? Do they, they have a, a Laker pick next? I don't know. I think, I, I feel like, they have four first-round picks. Yes, yeah, so, so, they, they've made a lot of weird deals. I, I don't have all their assets in yeah. front of me. I know I know them and Philly were tied for the Laker pick this draft, and I think because Philly got the Laker pick, the Celtics, that's how they got the Kings pick, some weird all right. triangle right there. The, the conditions on all these draft picks, they, they just get mind-numbing. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's say two two of those four on unprotected first-round picks next season and Gordon Hayward for LeBron. No Jason Tatum. I'd think about it, but I I, I would have to be a hard push for Tatum. I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I'd be a hard push for Tatum. What about Hayward, Jalen Brown, and the Sacramento pick? Oh, okay, now now we're getting warmer. <laughs> Jalen Brown's a good young player, too. Yeah. Jalen Brown's a good young player, too. Tatum's the guy I would lobby for. Because you're, you're getting LeBron James if you're Boston. And I get it. Jason Tatum looks like he has a very bright future, which is why I want him in the trade. Because yeah. that jump starts the rebuild. And and it's not like you're getting you know Kyrie Irving, some guy who is a really strong... This is an all-time great player, arguably the GOAT. Jason Tatum is worth it. He's one of maybe two players you would trade Jason Tatum for, the other being Kevin Durant. 
I, 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 I wouldn't trade him for almost anybody else. I don't think I'd trade him for anyone else, even Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I mean, he, he was fantastic in the postseason. Right. So I, I see why you would hold out for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, the Celtics have have the ammo to, to make this trade and, and not only make it, but then still have a bright future when LeBron leaves, which is crazy. They've right. done a, a crazy job of accumulating those assets. Right. I mean, even if they give you Jason Tatum for LeBron James, let's just say that happens, whatever the picks are, you still have Jalen Brown. Gordon Hayward's not an old player. And and maybe, maybe you know, Brad Stevens works his magic and gets Kyrie Irving and LeBron James to make a mess. I mean, let's not rule that possibility out with the Celtics culture. Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens gets him in a room and says, look, let's win championships together. Let's do what you should have been doing in Cleveland in Boston. I mean, let's not underestimate the fact that Danny Age and Brad Stevens is probably the best GM coach combo in the NBA. Wouldn't put it past them to get that bad blood, whatever it is, whatever happened between Irving and James, out of their system. I mean, if LeBron James can bury the hatchet with Dan Gilbert, an owner who strung him out very publicly, I, I, I would imagine he could bury the hatchet with Kyrie Irving. As long as Kyrie Irving is on the same dimension of thinking. As <laughs> That's true. Same I mean, level same level of existence you just subtly dropped this Kyrie Irving to the Knicks rumor this is actually the first time I've heard of that why would anybody want to go to the Knicks so uh the the rumor is that Kyrie Irving told Cleveland Cavaliers players in the locker room that he wants to play with the Knicks oh my gosh at some point in his career he's from New Jersey it's his hometown team so it makes sense but have you seen the Knicks lately, Kyrie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to win, that's that's usually not where you go. Yeah. Um, well, he's an interesting cat sometimes. Yeah. As decision, uh, things that he says, but... He's on a very flat line of things. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, some other scenarios that I can think of. Um, here's one that I think is a possibility... What if he takes a year off? Oh. Pulls a Jordan, doesn't go the baseball route. Just, just he, takes a year off. Yeah, a sabbatical. I mean, he's played two over two regular seasons worth of playoff games in the last four years. I mean, what? I mean, if he opts out and takes a year off, he's just a free agent. Wouldn't he lose his bird rights? See, I don't, I don't know because that—that's the weird part about it. Like, if he just takes a sabbatical. And he's under contract with the Cavs. I believe the Cavs retroactively get his rights. But if he opts out, would the Cavs retain his bird rights if he takes a year off? I'm not sure. Yeah. So that, that, that's the weird part about that one. It makes sense, though. Because, I mean, eight straight trips to the NBA Finals is impressive. But it you play so much more basketball than everyone else. You age faster. I mean, he's yeah. probably played a whole season's worth of basketball. He played 22 extra games in the postseason this year. So, I mean... Heck, that I mean, he's probably played two full seasons of basketball that other guys just haven't had the chance to play. Yeah, I mean, and you see what you see the toll of these runs on his on his teammates. I mean, it ruined Dwayne Wade. I mean, not ruined him, but he he fell off quick. Um, a lot of those guys on the Heat are aren't, aren't playing anymore. Uh, you saw Kyrie after three straight trips need a knee surgery. So, I mean, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that, yeah, he rests or, you know, starts doing the Ray Allen, Roger Clemens thing coming, coming back halfway through the season or something. So I, I think that that is a realistic option and actually might work to the Cavs benefit of positioning themselves even better uh, in the future, if he if he opts out, if he opts to take a year off and then comes back in the in the Cavs, you know, tank, get get another pick, uh, are able to to reaccumulate some assets or something. So um, it's interesting. I I think that that has some legs to it. Um, what what about LeBron to the Warriors? If he goes to the Warriors, the Jordan stop, talk stops immediately. You can't join that team and then talk about Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. I, I, I you, you cannot go join that team. You've got to beat them. Yeah. 
what is the so i mean at one point in the season he said he's he's going to meet with them out of respect and free agency like what is the hysteria going to be like when he meets with them how's that meeting going to go by the way like the five of them just staring at him saying dude we we don't want you on this team we've we've beaten you the last like that, that would just be the most awkward room ever yeah I mean, because there, there is there is true bad blood there. I mean, like, I'm not saying there's not; it doesn't spill over the court, but on the court, there's true bad blood. I mean, there there is a rivalry with LeBron James and that team. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I thought there was a rivalry between Kevin Durant and the Warriors when yeah. they came back three one against him, but um, didn't take long to win the run over there. So, I, I mean, I I think it's very unlikely because you, I mean against the Houston situation you have to trade off a number of key guys including Clay Thompson and Draymond um that unless be, LeBron takes a break cut yeah I don't I mean oh if he takes a pay cut for the Warriors I, yeah that 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 would be the word that honestly decision aside that would be worse than 2010 yes uh definitely yeah I, I would not watch basketball yeah. ever Again, <laughs> <laughs> never say never, but yeah. yeah, it would be tough. What, what other, I mean, is that it? Are those the likely, uh, likely, if we're talking likely, we can take the Warriors one off there. That, yeah. That's not likely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so other teams that have cap space outright to sign a max deal would be, uh, we already talked about the Lakers, but we got the Bulls, the Mavs, uh, the Hawks, um, I can't see him going to any of those teams. Yeah. I know the Suns are close with max cap space. Again, I mean, they have the number one overall pick, but no. I, I mean, well, LeBron's not going to any of those teams. You'd have to wait at least a year before they start winning again. Yeah. What about Miami? Only because he's played there before, but I don't think Miami puts him in a better situation to win as presently constructed. I mean, Shabazz Napier, as we talked about, didn't work out, so it's not like he's going to play with Napier. So he's going to play with Dion. Oh gosh, yeah, that was that worked out glorious <laughs> for the two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he'd maybe entertain them only because of the previous relationship, but I don't think it's a realistic scenario. Yeah, I mean, to to have to get paid the way he wants to get paid. And to still have a trip to the NBA Finals, it, it, for me, it comes back to Cleveland. I mean, that's the that's the easiest combination of both for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he could force his way to other teams with sign and trades and get that max deal, but you know, at what cost to the to the roster of that team? Um, it, 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 I come back to Cleveland. That's why I think they have a slight edge over everyone else. Yeah, I would say Cleveland's number one, Houston number two, and then only because Boston has the assets to entice Cleveland would be number three. I mean, because those are the only two other teams that he could go to get paid through trade and still have enough around him to contend with the Warriors. Well, what, what's your opinion on the Sixers? I mean, I think it would be an interesting fit. I, I, I think, I think certainly those three guys would be the star power. But, but as as everyone has said, I mean, they don't exactly fit great together. Um, but that that would be the easiest route. He could sign right with the Sixers and not have to worry about any sort of um, you know trades or anything like that. I think that that's just an odd roster, though. I think I think with LeBron, you can make things work, but. It's not the best fit in the world from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, my, my concern with that is, so LeBron is going to have the ball in his hand over 50% of the time. What is Ben Simmons doing during that time? I mean, Embiid is going to be in the post, so he can't be down low. He he can't shoot. Not only can he not shoot, but he doesn't even want to shoot at this point in his career because he's he just doesn't have that jump shot. Um, Embiid can hit a three but he's not he's not chris bosh he's not kevin love in, in that terms now he's he's a star down low um and, and can be dominant but um you know we, we've seen how chris bosh and kevin love have lost 
that dominant post game once they play alongside LeBron. So um, that, that's my concern, just the fit of it. He does have that relationship with Simmons um, kind of as a, as a mentee mentor relationship. Um, it, it would be intriguing, but uh, the personnel just doesn't seem right uh, to me. Yeah. And plus it's, I, I just don't think the relationship is there. Like I, I think Houston makes sense because he, he, he has a relationship with Chris Paul. I just don't think, he and Embiid and Simmons are like buddies. You know what I mean? I I just don't. I yeah. can't see that happening. That it would be odd if he just went to Philly, because I don't know if that. I think from a star power standpoint, it looks like he has a good chance, but I I would be concerned at how those guys fit together. Yeah, I I would be too. Um, he he does have that Ben Simmons relationship though. They they have been close the past couple of years. He's not part of the banana boat crew, you're right. No, he was not on the banana boat. So he was probably just getting his driver's license when yeah. <laughs> we were on the banana boat. Too too late, too too early for the banana boat. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I I, I think I, I this is why I, I we've said it before, but this is why I'm confident he's gonna stay because I think the options are not what they were in 2010. 2010, all three of those guys were free agents. There were five or six teams that could sign all three of them. There was legitimate Steam. I think this year it would take a lot more work for him to have everything line up perfectly the way he wants it to. Yeah, and, and, and likewise with 2014, you know, the Cavs win the draft lottery from the number nine spot. They have Kyrie. They have a lot of space to deal with uh, to, to get that star, and it would uh, check a box off in terms of LeBron's career, righting the wrong of, of leaving Cleveland. So another galvanizing number of things came together in 2014 for him to come back to Cleveland. Um, It wasn't just out of sympathy or just because it was his hometown. It was because Cleveland had the tools to, to, to restructure a big three model around him. Um, I I don't, I don't see. Yeah. I just, I don't see uh, those available candidates this off season. Like, like we've seen in the past. Alrighty, well, we have uh, dissected the Cavs season to death. Uh, a little supersized podcast here. That's what the NBA Finals and possibly an end of an era warrants. But we do have to say goodbye. Bob, it's been fun seeing you in the flesh here. This yeah. is uh, so a unique experience. Pretty fun. Hopefully we can do more of these like this. I'll have to get down to Nashville a little more often. Um, but thank you all for listening, and hopefully uh, come July we are celebrating LeBron James's return to Cleveland or, or just staying in Cleveland, not really return, um, and, and talking talking more about how we can make the team better about around LeBron. You can listen to all of our old episodes of Cleet Talk by visiting FenleyRoadSports.com. You can subscribe to us via iTunes by clicking that icon in the upper right-hand corner or going to iTunes, type in Fenley Road Sports, click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. Thank you for your support. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. And come back next week and every week for another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. And until then, we're turning our focus to the Indians. Go Tribe. Get that bullpen straightened out and let's go. Let's win some games. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy, Bob.